Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey again, everybody, it is Jordan and Garen on the podcast with you. We're excited to go over Garen's second message on the names of God, El Roi, yep. which means the God who sees me. Yes, the God who sees me. The God who sees me. And uh, before we even get too far into this, I forgot to tell you this, Garen, we have, this podcast is in rare air. It's in rare air. We got a shout out from one of the premier worship leaders from the stage yesterday, Melissa McCroy. She shouted out the podcast. Oh, did, did you she? catch that? No, I didn't catch yeah, that. Yeah, she said, it was when she was praying and she was talking, because we were talking about Yahweh. Oh, yes, right. And she shouted us out. So I just feel like the the yeah. listens are going to go through oh, the roof man. now. That's, yeah, that's like... Her social media presence is like significant. So that I feel is like huge. Right. we're about to be top 10 in the United States. Yeah, for so. a minute I thought you were going to say like Craig Rochelle emailed us or something like... Well, Craig's one thing, but <laughs> Melissa McCroy, that's a whole other <laughs> echelon of Christian fame right there. Yeah. That's great. So shout out, Melissa McCroy. Yep, Glad you're listening. Thanks, Melissa. Hey, we wanted to just jump right into this. And we were in Genesis 16. You were talking about the story of Hagar. And we won't run through all those details because people can listen to the message if they want that. But I wanted to start with kind of a tough question for you, Garen. Yeah. You know, Hagar, she names God. Yes. In the story with Elijah, God names himself. Right. And he says, I'm your shepherd. Yeah. But in this story, Hagar names God. And yeah. she says, you are El Roi, the God who sees me. So my question is, like, how do we know yeah, she we got know? that right? Right. Like, I could just name God whatever I want. Yeah. How do we know that? Yeah, I could name him the God the, who disappoints me or right. the God who doesn't listen. The God who provides gummy bears. Like, yeah. right. how do I know that she was right in the name that she yeah, gave that's God? that's great. Because I wrestled with that as I thought about it. And uh, everybody would be glad I... Due to time constraints, I didn't go into that. But that's a big question, I feel like. And my answer is two things. Number one, I think the, the God put it in his self-revelation in the word of God is his way of saying that declaration, like that is true. And if, if she had said something really whacked, that he probably wouldn't have put that in there. Um, but then the fact that he names her son Ishmael, which is God listens, it's the same concept. And so he kind of reinforced that. He said, yes, that is who I am, that God of God. I do see, I do hear, I'm going to name your son that. So he reaffirms it. But I just think the fact that it's in there, that him putting in there was his stamp of approval that this really is. And we know from other scripture that this is what God is like, that he does see. You know, when I asked the staff, like, give me some scripture. You came out with the first Peter 3.12. Um, that how he, how's that go exactly? That he, he looks over the righteous or he sees the righteous. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that that is... Throughout scripture, we see that that is what he is like. So I, I'd say, yep, I, I trust that her assessment of him was correct. And okay. that's why he included it in there. Yeah. And it was Moses who wrote Genesis, right? Yeah. And it was Moses who did the Torah, right? So the Holy Spirit 
did he did the Holy Spirit tell Moses this story, or is how is how is Moses writing? Yeah, this a down? lot of people feel like that pe- these stories have been passed down. I mean, these concurred within the context of Abraham, the covenant people, and that mm. these stories were probably passed down. So the Spirit, he was led to write it the way he did. The details he put in, God led him to that. So again. If God's leading him, put that in there. Then. So Moses in writing in Genesis obviously wasn't there at creation. So there's some of that like special yes. revelation uh-huh. and yes. some of it is going to be stories passed down yes. generationally. Right. So Moses is in some points, he's kind of a scribe for the Holy Spirit. Right. And other points, he's kind of an anthologist, like gathering these stories that tell yes. the bigger story. Yes. And the Holy Spirit is guiding him. And, and the Holy Spirit's guiding down. all of it and making sure it's all getting written exactly how he wanted it. So when he wrote that he was the humblest person, that was... That was obvious. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is like, I'm gonna Moses, take, I'm gonna take over his pen on this one. Moses sentence. wrote that one down, yeah. and then the Holy Spirit said, "Yeah, okay, I guess we'll let you leave that one in." He said, "Yes." <laughs> That's funny. That's how that went. Yeah. Another question: You talk about Abram and Sarai. They hadn't yet had their names changed by God to Abraham and Sarah yet, which I know is tough to teach that because you yeah. wanted to yeah, say those. Yeah, because you want to say those. But we we're talking about how you really highlighted Sarai and Hagar and told a lot of their stories in this because yes. they are the centerpieces. Yeah, in this one. they are the centerpiece. We didn't talk a lot about Abram. Because he's kind of in the background. And maybe right? for good reason. For good reason. Because this guy blew it at every every chance he got, just yeah. swinging a miss. Yeah. And so let, let me go to you because you shared for me several years ago these three qualities of a of a godly man. And I love mm-hmm. those. So let's say them and then let's compare Abraham to those three things. Yeah, this is out of a book called Raising a Modern Day Knight. And we actually just talked about it with our youth group boys last week at youth group. And it's three principles that the author says creates biblical manhood. One is that you accept responsibility for okay. things. <laughs> One is that you reject passivity in things. And the other is that you lead courageously. Yeah. And so if we look, if we hold that up against Abram, Abram in this story, uh, he whiffed. He goes over three. Over three in a big on way. all of them in a huge way. Yeah. When, when we're talking ahead of time, you said he didn't even swing. Yeah. It's like he didn't even try to get it right. Yeah, he didn't even. It's. He doesn't take responsibility. He says, "Sarah, this is your issue. Yeah. You, just you just do what you want. Do what you want." He's passive. Sarah brings this idea to him. Yeah. To impregnate their slave. Yeah. And he doesn't stand up and say, "No, that's yeah. not right." He's yeah. Like, ah, whatever you want, I will do it. Yeah. And then he does not lead well. No. Not he at just said every. At every possible decision, just either makes no decision or makes the wrong decision. Yeah. So total swing and a miss by Abram here, which yeah. is the father of the faith in a lot of ways. Yeah, the right? father of the faith, and and he's following in suit in Adam's shoes because that's what Adam did. Yeah. Adam, they call it the silence of Adam. So to me, this is a good chance because we've got guys that listen to this. We need to call guys into for sure to good spiritual leadership, right? Yeah. So guys. Big time. Like get in the game, yeah. Be courageous, take, take responsibility, responsibility. Be courageous, and and, and don't be passive in yeah, things. Don't be passive. Take, take an initiative. active role. Yeah, take an active role. Be the leader. Be the the initiator, not yeah. the responder all the time. So guys, get let's 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 live up to the what God's how God's called us to lead. Hundred yeah, percent. And I thought it was so useful when you said the language in Hebrew of Genesis sixteen is so reminiscent of the language of Genesis three. Yeah. It's this language of the fall and failure and missing the mark. Yeah. And just like how God is kind of retelling the story again. Like, yep, yep, it's happening again. Yep, over and over. And it happens in my life. And so that challenge for us as men to to step into the leadership role God requires of us. So, yep, big time. You said something useful. Well, you said a lot of things are useful. One of the useful things you said was 
this kind of freeze fight or flight reaction that we have to fear. And we all kind of have to choose between those in certain situations. And you kind of outlined how each main character in the story really embodied one that Abram froze, right? Yep. He didn't really make a decision. Yep. Sarai fought, right? She fought with Hagar and caused issues for her. And I think fought with God. She just like didn't trust anybody. And she's like, I'm going to fix it. Oh, I'm and taking made it charge for herself. Right? Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to make up a plan with my own thinking, my own wisdom. Yeah. I don't trust God. my own strength, my own dependence, my self-reliance. Okay. That's really I'm good. I'm going to fix this because he won't. And then fa- the Hagar was flight. She, she bounced when yeah. things got hard, she ran away. Yep. And, um, and you said something really useful. You said that we run from the problem and to our perceived savior. So yes. if we're in that flight mode and we're evading yep. stress or hard decision or maybe God, like whatever we're running to kind of unearths and exposes this idol maybe. Yeah, the thing that you most trust and If it's alone time, it could be that. If it's a relationship, it could be that. If it's your phone, it could be that. Yeah. For Hagar, it was the safety and security of her homeland, right? Going back to Egypt. Because she was trying to get to Egypt. Right. So in stress or when I'm in that flight mode, yeah, what am I going to? Is it my phone? Am I surfing the internet? Am Am I binging on Netflix? Um, am I just going internal into my own mind? Whatever I run to reveals to me what I really love and worship and what I trust. And so, yeah, it's not just what do I run from, but it's what do I run to in those situations. So, Garen, I think a hard question in this one might be, where's that line? Because all of us have hard, had a hard day yeah, and wanted to just say, you know what? I'm watching the game tonight or I'm just eating a little bit of junk food because I had a hard day. Like, Where's the line on that? And then, you know, oh, I'm doing this and it's idol worship. I mean, how do we distinguish that? I think um, that's a really good question. I think it's probably things that habitually we find ourselves continually going to, you know, I mean, for me to go home and just relax and watch a movie, that's fine. But if I find that movies are consuming a lot of my time, that maybe that's Mm. a good sign. So to me, it's that, where is my money, my time, my energy going to a lot? And and when I talked about idolatry, I talked about what's called functional idols, which is when I get in difficulty, where do I go for comfort? And I think we all need to ask that question. And, that, and for her, it was running home, even though it was through a desert and probably was going to kill her, mm. that that's what she was doing. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with leisure and enjoyable pursuits. But I think I, if I think about it, I know when something has my heart. Yeah. That's just another good example of how useful Christian community is. Because really yeah. good Christian community will hold a mirror up to you and say, hey, you, you know, have been talking about how you've been on your phone a lot more lately. Or you've been doing this a lot more, whatever. Like in love, can I just ask you, is that really like, is that a good thing for you? Or yeah. do we need to take a look at that? Yeah. But if we're just on our own and no one knows our habits and we're walking through life alone, right? we either A, figure it out by ourselves and that might take a lot of time or B, we just wreck and like we never correct the problem. Yeah. So just another shout out for... Yeah. community, whether it's a small group or an accountability partner or a quad or whatever. Yeah. And usually you're the one that says what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it first this time. So like, does that mean like people who were, they're wearing Chiefs jerseys Sunday mornings to church, like worship, like, can we, like, should we be calling that out? Oh, I thought it was just <laughs> understood that that was idolatry. I thought we were just, we knew it. And I was waiting for a sermon on that again. I, I thought you were going to handle that from the front. Oh man. Yeah. Somebody, we had to do something, dude. So I had to take, I had to take the initiative. We talked about courageous leadership. I kind of had to step out. But if somebody wore a KU jersey, that would just be like being proud of your state. I mean, that's yeah, that's just pride in your state. That's honorable. Yeah, because we're Jay Jay Hawkers. Right, you're born here. Yeah, definitely. 
So man, fine line that idolatry. I'll tell you what, it gets <laughs> tricky. Um, a few significant things. God is the first one to call Hagar by name, which I didn't realize when I read this. And then you called it out and it's like, whoa, that's gotta be significant, right? Because yeah. Abram refers to her as what? The slave? Yeah, her, your slave. Your slave. Not, again, his ta- he's not even taking responsibility. Oh, yeah. Your slave. That's hey, your Sarai, That's your that's problem. That's your problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and her, it's my slave every time. And he's the first one that calls her by name. It's yeah. kind of like in The Chosen. He meets people, you know, like Mary in that first episode. She's going, what's the name she's going by? That's uh, not her real name. L- Lilith? Yeah. And then he just, he says, she leaves. And all of a sudden she hears behind her the voice, Mary. Oh, or, yeah. Or, you know, Jesus does that at the resurrection. Like, God always calls people my name. Um, you know, the woman with the blood daughter, you know, very intimate. I just love that, that he's the first person to like seize her as a person. Yeah. It's pretty cool. What else is pretty cool is the way that it's written because you know that's so intentional. Yeah. That purposely Abram and Sarai do not call her by her name and God is the first one. Like that's not just pure happenstance. There's a real meaning behind that. Yeah. And that's so neat. Yeah. One of those things that maybe on the first read through we don't catch, but at just another example of digging into the text yes, and really reading right. it for content. Yes, right. Those little nuggets you pull out. Yeah. Those are that's so cool. When you have a new moment, you're like, oh man. Yeah. Right. That has to mean something. Like those are really special times. Yeah. So pretty cool. Yeah. And don't you know that caught her attention? A guy just shows up. Oh yeah. And he says, Hagar. And um, don't you know? She's like, Whoa. Yeah. One, you know my name. You're calling me by my name. Like nobody calls me by my name anymore. Right. Well, she's in the desert. I mean, she was probably scared she was gonna get like robbed or something yeah, at first, right? right. Didn't you say yes. that was a really treacherous yeah, part of right. the... Treacherous journey, bandits. Yeah, no woman would do that alone. Like wow. she was so desperate. But yeah, a dude shows up, you'd be, she'd be trembling and then he just says her name. Uh-huh. Like, can you imagine? Wow. I still am trying to wrap my mind around all these appearances of Jesus in the Old Testament, man. It's just mind blowing to me. Yeah. It's so cool. It's very cool. Wow. I think it's very cool. Um, another first. Hagar is the first to see, like we said, the to see, see the, the angel of the Lord, Lord. yeah, the which was person. Jesus. Yeah, outside of the garden. Probably when they walked, when God walked with Adam and Eve, it was probably, that's, it was in the person of Jesus, most likely, that's what most people think. But after the garden, after the fall, she's the first one he shows up to. Not, yeah. not Moses, not Gideon, not Daniel, not David, not Elijah, not Joshua, it's her. So does that really mean something or is that just how it goes? Because sometimes one of these false narratives we hear with the Bible and especially with the Old Testament is that God maybe sees women as less than or since they have to submit to their husbands, God commands that, right? That that he has special things for men, yeah. but women are a second class. Yeah. So is it intentional that he is showing us? I no. think it's very intentional. Yeah. I think she just fits all of these categories. You would check the box of unimportant, unimportant, unimportant. So she's a woman. She's a slave. She's from Egypt. She's she's a Gentile, right? All those things. And God's like, that's the first person I'm going to show up to. Personally. Yeah. Because he does that, right? Doesn't he reverse? You talk about the upside down kingdom. We talk yeah. about that. He reverses everything. And he's like the first person to show how much I value every human being. Yeah. I'm going to show up to her first. Not only a woman, but a woman from a marginalized people group who was in a minority group and had no say. Yeah. And was sold as property. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, he loves to work through the least expected person. The least of these. The least of these. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how the Bible works hard to tear down all those false narratives that we build up. Yeah. That if you really dig into the scripture, that women are so elevated. Yeah. And both testaments. Right. So this would be a good example of somebody who I know who doesn't follow Jesus. And one of their objections is the Bible's anti-women. I could be like, 
I could give a lot of examples of how it's not true. This would be a really good one is to go to this. Yeah, mm-hmm. very much so. Hmm. All right, man. I feel like we've covered so many things. My brain's going to explode, but there's just a, there's one more really good thing that I want to ask you about. And it was your um, diagram with kind of the rainbows over the person. Yeah, kind Remember of the that? Kind circle, of the, the concentric circles. The concentric or, arc, yeah. arches. Right. Yeah. And so it's the person and then the closest arch was kind of broken and it was the this person's problems, yep. right? If you came to service on Sunday, you probably know what I'm talking about. If you didn't, then maybe you're, I'm trying to explain it, but I'm not doing a good job. But the closest arc that we kind of look up and see is our problems. It's our immediate circumstances. Yep. It's things that have gone wrong. Yes. And then if we can see past that, there's a there's an arc a little bit further out and it's my life. And then if you look past that, there's an arc that's even higher up and it's bigger and it's God's plan for yep. me, right? Not just for me, it's his plan for everybody around me. His, his, his plan story. in general. Yeah, it's his big plan. Okay. Yep. And so the idea being that most of us just see that first arch that's closest to us and it's this broken squiggly line and it's our circumstances. It's the things that have gone wrong yep. and God must have made a mistake or this yep. shouldn't be this way. Yep. And we define him through that. That's what we tend to do. Oh, he doesn't care. Yeah, right. Because he let that happen. And sometimes it's all we can focus on. Yes. But with a little bit of humility, we can step back from that and see the next arch, which is our whole life and say, you know, even though this is a really hard situation, I know that my life is so much bigger than this. Yep. And this is a small part of it. And God is doing more on my life through this even. Right. He's doing big things in my life. So even though God's allowing me to go through something tough right now, it could result from in my good later yes. in my life. Yep. And then if you step back a little further and have a little more humility and ask the Holy Spirit to show you a little bit more, we see this big overarching line of God's plan. Yeah. And it's like, you realize that your life is actually really, just like that one moment is small in your life. Yeah. Your life is really small in God's plan. And so what he's doing in you, though it seems huge to you, is actually just a really small piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And so I think the idea is that we get so worked up in these things, yeah. but if we could step back with some humility and, and eyes from the Holy Spirit, we would see that God is always doing a bigger thing. Yes, always doing a bigger thing. In my life, and even bigger than my life. And that's why I still remember when I was reading the story, I'm like, he called her. He says, go back and submit. And I'm like, that's a tough call. Like, really? And, you know, you and I have talked a little bit before, but it's because he's, he was doing something bigger in her life even. And he was trying to bake, maybe bake some humility in her because she had in her, she had a lot of pride when she was treating Sarah with, Sarai with contempt. He's like, you know, you need to, you need a little humility and that's the place to get it. If mm. she gets home, she may not grow on that. And it's like, and also you just need to learn to trust me in hard things. So I'm going to send you back and um, I'm there. I hear. And that's why I think she was willing to go back is because she, yeah, cause she didn't argue with him. She just did it. And I think it's cause she realized, you know what? His presence is bigger than, than my problem with her. And so I will go back to that and he's with me and, yeah. But Garen, some people would say that's kind of cruel. I mean, here is this woman who is not being treated well, has been impregnated by her slave owner, is out on a dusty road in the desert, just longing for her homeland that she was likely stolen out of and sold into slavery. Some people would say, why does God not just pick her up and drop her back in her homeland? Like, yeah. isn't that pretty cruel to just say, well, I'll be with you, you know, go back into the hard situation. I'll be with you. Like if he's good, wouldn't he just take her out of that and make it a better situation for her? Yeah. Right. When we, in my mind, being a Trekkie, like how come he didn't just say, okay, Scotty Beamer to Egypt, let's save the five day journey or something. 
Because again, as a parent, you've been there and the longer you parent, the more you'll, that there's times your kids will be in a situation, they want to extricate themselves from it and, and you will like talk to them and you'll like be, I get that, but you will actually gently ease them back into it because you know that there's things that they can only learn in those situations that they can't learn if they're always getting rescued from stuff or they're always quitting or they're always leaving, right? And we know that even in our own life. So he, he was really doing her a favor. And really the truth is she was going to get cared for actually more there than she was on that road. Um, Abraham, Abram did care about Ishmael. And it, it just in a lot of ways, I think it was really the best place for her. I think in what he was doing in her life and just caring for her in general. Yeah, who knows, one or two more days on that road and she might have been, we don't, you know, what can you imagine back in those days what men did to women who traveled that road like by themselves like Mm -hmm. that? That just, yep, that's. So he had a bigger thing in mind than just her immediate comfort and safety. Yep. And And we can now see the big thing that that became. And that's what we, you know, you look at your life and the, you know, in the looking in the front mirror, I can't tell that. But a lot of times when I look in the rear mirror, I'm like, I am so glad God kept me in that. The time I was crying to get out, I learned a really important lesson. I'm thankful for it. And that's kind of what he was doing with her. Mm. So, okay. And we got to trust God in the same way, right? Yep. That just like, yep. The way she did. So often we pray and it's, it's okay to pray, right? That like, God, please take me out of this if you can, yep. or if you want to. Like, please let it be a good scan. Please let this person come home. Please yep. change this person's heart. And that's yep. okay to ask for. Yes, it is okay. But if it doesn't happen to not turn our back and say, man, God, you dropped the ball. Yeah. So I define, I can't define him by that. Like, no, you are the God who sees. You are the God who hears. You're the God who cares. I'm going to trust you're doing something I don't get. I think sometimes we feel bad for asking for that thing though. At least I do. It's like, I should just ask for God's will to be done. And I shouldn't really ask for what I want in the situation because that seems selfish. Yeah, Is that on par or is that, yeah, I think am I missing I mean, it? it's normal. I, that's why I love, so the two stories we've looked at, Elijah and her, both of them, he could have been like, what are you doing here? Why am I finding you here? Why'd you leave? And sit down and give him a lecture. But both times he's just like, he asked him a question. So he gets that. He knows we're but dust. That's what it says in the Psalms. He knows what we're like. And he's gracious and all that. Mm-hmm but he's also going to put us in the place that's best for us. And he longs for us to trust him in it and to lean into yeah. him. And just because we ask for something doesn't mean we don't trust him. Yeah. No, I don't think so at all. David does it all the time. He's the, to me, he's the camp. He's the guy we hold up the Psalms. He asks all the things we ask. He says the things we say. And I think God put it in there because um, he, he's okay with that. I remember I, one time I was showing a Muslim some of the Psalms and they're like, you can't talk to God that way. Mm. And yeah, you can't talk to Allah that way, but Yahweh, you can. Mm-hmm. And that's why he put those in there. So I think about Philippians 4 too, when Paul says that it's, it's possible to not worry about anything if we are voicing those concerns to God, right? Yep. Be, to be anxious your, about yep. nothing, but in everything, present your yep. request to God, right? And, and those requests, a lot of the times are going to be you know, God, please make this situation work yeah. out. God, please do this thing. And so God hears those and he cares about those. But the key is to not get so wound up in that situation yes. that you define God by it. Right. And to trust him with what he decides and yeah. how he goes with it. Trust him. Yeah. And as we kind of wrap up, you you ended with talking about how that was David's hope, that God's presence was all that David was asking for. Yep. And you pointed to Psalm 43 where, where he asked that and he doesn't he doesn't say, God, you know, I need you to do this one specific thing. 
and I'm going to measure you by it. He says, I'm going to measure you by the, your presence, right? Like, I know that's how you're going to help me. So, so please don't withhold your Holy Spirit from me. Please be with me. Don't forsake me. Yeah. Because your presence is what I really yeah. need. Yep. I know my flesh wants the situation to work yeah. out, but I know that my spirit really actually just needs you yeah. in it, no matter what it yep. is. So maybe that's our prayer too, if yes. we really are, seeking his presence. Are, are seeking him, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Good okay. story, huh? This was a really good one. I love this one. Any any sneak peek on next week? Um, yeah, next week. The main thing is we're gonna have a baptism. And I've got a great name of God that fits baptism week really well. I think I'm just gonna keep my cards close oh, to the man. list. Are you holding one. are you holding the three of a kind? <laughs> Royal flesh? I've got a royal flesh. <laughs> are you going to be able to teach all that? Because baptism some days are, are a little light on the teach time. It is perfect. It just, God and his sovereignty made it work out perfectly. So I'm okay. excited about it. Very good. Yeah. Baptism Sunday next week. Four people getting baptized? Four people. Yep. That's really exciting. Very so exciting. Make sure you don't miss that. If you have a friend you can bring, that's a great Sunday to have yeah, a new person definitely. there. They will have a great time. Definitely. They will see God's goodness on display. Yep. And they, the gospel will be presented Sunday. So yeah, if you've got a lost friend and they have any curiosity, this might be a good one. Like, hey, come see what this looks like. Yeah. Maybe the last thing we could say is you kind of had an opportunity for people to respond up at the stage yesterday. And if maybe someone had something that they weren't ready to do in front of 200 people. Yep. Um, and they're still kind of sitting with it and it's eating them. What would you say? Yeah, to do. reach out to somebody that they're in their community they're close to. Feel free to get a hold of us, whoever they're close to that we would love. Somebody hung around till 1240, till nobody was there. And I was just cleaning up some stuff to talk to me because they just needed it to be. So you, I, any of us, Lisa, we would all be willing to, to do that. That's part 100%. of it. Yep. You know, Jimmy Butler gave away his cell phone number at his press conference. Are you willing to give your cell phone number away at the, on the podcast? <laughs> I, it's already out there. So <laughs> find somebody with Garen's number, hit him up. He'll be glad you did. And you'll be glad you did. All right. That's what we got. We're yep. excited for next week. God's going to do big things. And so El Roe, the God who sees me, let's close the chapter. On to the next one. Yep. On to the next one. See you guys.